Hi, this is David Flowers, Senior Pastor at Grantham Church, an intergenerational convergent third-way congregation with the Brethren in Christ U.S. and located in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast and for following the sermons that I and many others preach at Grantham. This is a free podcast and it'll always be that way, but if you'd like to give and help further the work we're doing for the kingdom, we'd greatly appreciate it. If you want to do that, you can do that by going to granthamchurch.org and clicking on the giving tab. Whether you're a member of our church or you're listening as a parishioner, it's our greatest desire that you would encounter Jesus and be changed by the good news wherever you are. Anyway, God bless you, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. We are continuing our Advent series close to home this morning. Uh, This is the last message in the Advent portion, but the series will actually continue for a couple of weeks. And uh, so thank you for joining us and joining us via live stream if you're doing that. Welcome. My name is David Flowers. I'm a senior pastor here at Grantham. In this series, we have been exploring the idea of home as it relates to our faith and particularly to the season and story of Advent. And as we've been saying, when we do that together, we quickly notice that the, this, this already but not yet tension of our faith. We say and we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, right? God with us. And yet we know that God's promised day, our eternal home of a new glorified heaven and earth is not yet fully realized. And it won't be until Christ comes again. And thus it names our deep longing for God to come close to us in the waiting and in the preparation. We began this series reflecting on what it means to be homesick. If you were with us for that first message, you probably remember that. We've also looked at what it means to lay the foundations of God's home on the earth by being conduits of blessings to others. And then last Sunday, Pastor Melissa shared how we can prepare the way for the Lord by recognizing that you are more sinful and broken than you ever dared believe, but you more deeply loved than you ever dared imagine. Amen? Therefore, repentance, that is turning from our sin and opening up our hearts to God, is necessary for God to come to us in new and fresh ways this Christmas. And so I think that really is an invitation to us in Advent. You may have grown up in the church. For all I know, you may have been a pastor's kid. And you think, I've seen it all, I've heard it all. And God yet invites us to open up our hearts to experiencing, experience Him afresh and anew, to see that God is doing something new among us. And that brings us now to the fourth Sunday of Advent and the next message in our series, a message entitled, Seeking Sanctuary. Seeking Sanctuary. In the lectionary reading this morning, we'll see that after receiving the angel's news of the coming miraculous birth of Christ, Mary retreats to Elizabeth and Zachariah's home to digest, to process her new calling. And Mary goes seeking refuge, that is physical safety, as well as emotional protection. And as the story goes, she receives a safe haven, a a home for her heart and a space to reflect on her calling and voice her praise. So today I want to invite you to see how sanctuary and safe space are crucial for us finding our home in the Lord 
and then ask us to consider how we can experience God's love as a sanctuary and go on to be a safe space and a refuge for others. I truly believe that's what God wants for us, to experience Him as sanctuary and be that sanctuary for others. Let's pray. Father, we, we ask now, by Your Holy Spirit, that You would speak to us. Lord, that this would be more than a sermon. This would be an experience of Your presence. Speak, move in our lives. Point out the places, Lord, that we need to be healed, to be set free, Lord, to repent so that you might change us. Speak now, Lord, for your servants are listening. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Church, if you would open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We're going to begin with verse 39 and read through verse 56. And would you stand with me in the reading of the Scripture? Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 39, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child, that would be John the Baptist, leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Mary responded, with this song of praise. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. You recall some of the context of this story just before this. 
Gabriel appears to Mary, giving her this message. It's a fourfold message, really. Gabriel, the angel, says, Mary, you're going to have a son, and you're going to name him Jesus. He also says that the child will be the son of God and will sit on David's throne forever. And so for a Jewish person, in their mind, this is God fulfilling the promise that he made to restore Israel, to establish the kingdom of God on the earth, and that, that Zion would be a place where God draws all people to himself, not just Jews, but Gentiles. Just to think about that, after 400 years of, of there not being any prophetic activity, here is an angel announcing this news to Elizabeth and Zechariah and then to Mary. God is finally doing something. God is coming to them. And the Holy Spirit, the angel says, will make these things possible. What is impossible man, with man is, is possible with God. And as a sign that it's true, her relative Elizabeth is pregnant in her old age. And so Gabriel tells Mary all of this. Now think about that. that. That is good news. Yes, this is good news. But consider this predicament. Consider the predicament that this puts Mary in as a young, betrothed, devout Jewish girl who lives in a really small village. Now think about it. Right? To be betrothed basically means that you are pledged to be married someone, and within that year you're married in every way except going into the house of your husband and living as married people. And so during this time, the husband would prepare the house, and when the house was ready at the end of that time, they would come together and be wedded. You know, really, this is, I was reminded of this the other night. Our, our son was reading from John 14, and uh, at bedtime, we do this, this at-home liturgy. And, and where, you know, Jesus said that he goes to prepare a place for us. This is the imagery of a husband going, preparing the home during this betrothal period to come and get the bride, to be together. This is what Jesus had in mind. So think about it. This is where, this is where Mary is at. And so when she starts showing, right, that she starts showing that she's pregnant, that's not good. There, there are strict laws about this. Women could be stoned for breaking their betrothal vows. And, and what about Joseph, right, the, the man that she's supposed to marry? What will he say or do? What will he say or do when she starts showing or, or even goes to him and says, oh, I'm pregnant and an angel told me I'm having the Son of God? What would you think? Matthew tells us that once Mary told him, Joseph, because he's a righteous man, a merciful man, rather than accuse Mary and have her stoned, he would divorce her quietly. That's saying a lot. That God has chosen this couple, this, this Jewish girl who was righteous, who was pure, who honored and loved God, yet was chosen for this special task. And for Joseph, a hard worker, a faithful Jew, who could have been very angry about this and wanted vengeance, yet he doesn't do it. And in that reflects the very heart of God. 
so did, did Joseph, think about this, this is something I considered as I was preparing this message, did his first response prompt Mary to leave Nazareth? Maybe to give him some space on top of the fact that what are people going to do, right? She's just received this heavy, almost unbelievable news, but she does believe it, but still trying to get her mind around this. And then she's going to have a baby, even though she's a virgin. She tells Joseph, he obviously is having a hard time with it. And so she decides to leave Nazareth, maybe to give him space, maybe for him to think about his dream, and maybe for her to process. She might have easily wondered, am I safe here? And also wanted affirmation. After all, the angel told her that her relative Elizabeth, in her old age, having been barren, is also having a child. You see, this is comforting to me because even though, unlike Zechariah, who sort of scoffed at the angel when the angel said they were going to have a child in their old age, and he goes mute, sort of dumb for a while, Mary believes, but yet still Mary, as a believer, seeks affirmation. You ever been there? Like, Lord, I really believe, but it would sure be nice if I could get some affirmation and know that I'm not crazy. It is true what you have said to me. You know, I think God understands what it's like to be human and gives us those special blessings. Amen. So Mary sets off for Elizabeth just as soon as she can pack her bags and join the caravan out of Nazareth. She makes a 70-mile trek to the western side of Jerusalem. And then Luke tells us that Elizabeth greets Mary with joy and with open arms. Just imagine what Mary and Elizabeth must have felt when they saw each other after having received this message from an angel. We read earlier in Luke chapter 1 about how Elizabeth greets Mary with joy and a blessing, recognizing that Mary will become the mother of the Lord. How did Elizabeth know? Lizzie, did you know? That's not how that's, it's Mary, did you know? By the way, <laughs> this time of year you always see this stuff. Did Mary know? Well, she did know some things, but she didn't know everything. Who could have anticipated the kind of Messiah that Jesus was going to be? So recognizing that Mary will become the mother of the Lord, Elizabeth rejoices. She knows this much. Mary knows this much. Luke tells us that, that John leaped in her womb at the sound of Mary's voice and that Elizabeth was in filled with the Holy Spirit. And maybe even giving her some insight into this situation as, as Elizabeth articulates there. And no doubt that these signs help to confirm with them that the Messiah was indeed coming and that the God of Israel was fulfilling his promises. And so, so consider this. It is from this encounter and the sanctuary that Elizabeth and Zechariah offer Mary that she is able to have some space not only to process, but to praise. To sing her song, which we call the Magnificat, a powerful song of praise expressing her belief and hope that God hasn't only blessed her, but that he is through her going to bless all of the poor. Through her son, Jesus, 
bless the poor, bless the powerless, and the oppressed of the world, that God is going to confront the bullies and the profiteers of empire and finally turn the tables, rather literally, on the forces of darkness and of exploitation. You see, first and foremost, don't miss this, Mary took refuge in the Lord. And we hear that in her song. And sure, she, she sought that place in Elizabeth. That's important. We're about to talk about this. But first and foremost, she knew and believed and trusted that the Lord himself was her place of safety. And she would certainly have had 1 Samuel 2. If we flip over and read that Old Testament book, 1 Samuel chapter 2, Hannah's song of celebration. I'm thinking she had that on her mind, as you can hear echoes of that in her Magnificat. This, this older woman who wasn't supposed to have a child but has a child and ends up having the prophet, the prophet Samuel to go on to be prophet to the king. There are also other elements and echoes of her song from the book of Psalms. For example, Psalm chapter 9, verse 9 and 10, which says, The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. You know, I can think of other psalms expressing this sort of experience of God, which we can hear echoes in Mary's Magnificat. Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. Psalm 59, 16, but as for me, I will sing about your power. Each morning I will sing with joy about your unfailing love, for you have been my refuge, a place of safety when I am in distress. And then Psalm 61, 3, For you are my safe refuge, a fortress where my enemies cannot reach me. Over and over we hear that in the Psalms, the, the, the testimony of a true believer, of one who experiences God is the person who knows that the Lord is and will be our shelter. And while Mary took refuge in the love of the Lord, she also found it with Elizabeth and Zechariah. She found it in the Lord's people. And don't you know, there's a world out there looking for that. But it's hard to be that when you've not experienced that for yourselves. As all weary and anxious travelers ought to be able to do, Mary, she found refuge in the love of the Lord and the Lord's people. Because we're all looking for shelter in one way or another, aren't we? Oh, I know that's not what the Rolling Stones had in mind with their song, Give Me Shelter. But it truly is where we can find it. To think about some of the reasons why people are looking for sanctuary and shelter today. Like Mary, we might need protection 
and affirmation. People may actually be in physical danger or or threat of physical danger. Certainly there are Christians around the world that in professing Christ and renouncing another religion that they're a part of, they face that sort of danger. But maybe here, even in the States, there's some sort of situation that we might feel we need safety, sanctuary, and refuge. We all know that refugees feel this, but in some way, we're all like that in one way or another, needing protection, seeking affirmation that God loves us, that His Word is true, that His gospel can be trusted. We also see people seeking sanctuary because they feel alone. Uh, The statistics on this are quite sobering and actually disturbing how lonely we feel today in the West. We're connected more than any other generation before us, at least outwardly and online, but we are actually in reality disconnected, feeling alone and afraid. So maybe people, maybe that's descriptive of you. You're you're feeling alone and afraid in need of grace and comfort, seeking sanctuary. Or maybe people are seeking sanctuary to share their thoughts and feelings without the fear of judgment. Right? If I confess this, if I tell someone that I'm going through this, will they accept me as I am? People are also seeking sanctuary because they seek a safe place to process and heal from hurts or trauma. People are seeking a safe place for questions. Maybe, maybe you're in a place of deconstruction or, or I think better described as, as a season of renovating faith. I'd rather renovate faith than actually deconstruct it. We're not tearing the house down. We, we just need to remodel it. There's some rooms that need to stay intact, but other walls may need to come down and new paint needs to go up in this season of renovation. Can, do, can we and do we find places like that where, where we can ask honest questions and say, you know, I have doubts. Yeah, I don't know if I can trust the Scripture. I, I really don't know if Jesus is the Son of God or not. What do I do about the violence of the Old Testament? All kinds of questions that, that we can ask. What about these pastors and leaders that we trusted who, who fail us and, and all sorts of things that cause us in our faith to be shaken? Can we be places of refuge, places of safety where people can ask those things that others with a house of cards faith can't tolerate? And then maybe people are seeking sanctuary to know that no matter what they have done, they are loved and accepted. Can you think back to a time when somebody embodied the love of God to you and were a sanctuary and a refuge like that? A a safe place for you to find your way. I know there have been several folks in my journey who've been that for me. My wife, Lana, has certainly been that. But one time that sticks out to me more than others and is certainly a pivotal moment in my life was when I was 18 years old. I was running hard away from God, making some really stupid decisions. 
and coming to the end of my rope. And my grandparents offered me sanctuary. And here's a picture that captures where I was at the time. And some of you are going to find that hard to believe that is me. With my shirt, I hate this town. And then some of you may be wondering, when am I going to rock out like that again? <laughs> At least I know Brad Stadnick's thinking that. I was 18 years old here in a barn band at the time. I think this picture really captures what I was thinking and feeling, this grunge rock sort of anger. Anger at the faith that I had seen this, with elements of fundamentalism in it, sort of the hypocrisy, the disconnection that I was feeling with my dad and projecting that onto God. Just frustrated as a hormonal teenager often is with life's questions. And that, this is before social media and TikTok. But really in a dark place, running hard away from God because, you know, I'm the kind of person, if I'm going to do anything, if I'm going to decide to do anything, I'm going to be the best at it. And so I was the best at hell raising. And I was, I was in so deep and in such a dark place doing things that I swore to God and to family I would never do and had no one to talk to. No one to really share and to confess. And I knew that if I told my, my parents, my mom would probably have a heart attack. And so I had gone off to, to college and was there on an acting scholarship despite the fact that I had felt called into ministry in junior high. So I was running from that too. And I had a couple of episodes where the Lord really spoke to me in places that you wouldn't imagine that God would show up, telling me, David, I can't do this with you much longer. I can't protect you much longer if you keep making these sorts of decisions. And so I was shocked and surprised by God's love. And, and, I, and it's as if I could hear the, the, son, the father and the prodigal son story calling me home. And my grandparents, as I said, offered me sanctuary. And so for a couple of weeks, almost every day after college, I was not too far away. I could, I could drive to school and then drive home at the end of the day. And I would stop off at their house and just confess what I was doing. Talk about the dark place that I was in and was accepted and was loved was reminded of how much God loved me and how my portrait of God was not accurate. That God was greater than anything that I could possibly imagine. That Jesus loved me despite my sin. And thank God my destruction was diverted. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done. I remember my grandparents praying for me at the end of those two weeks and you know, it was as if the spirit was moving in such a way. They were praying. They laid hands on me. It was, it was my turn to pray. 
The moment was building. There was, there was about to be a climax, and I was going to give my heart back over to the Lord. And in that moment, it is as if all emotions and feeling went away. I mean, I could have just turned around and gone right back to the drugs. I knew this was some sort of a test. But Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. I went home. I found my Bible. I knelt down beside my bed, and I confessed my sins to God, and as if a dark cloud came off of me, and the grace of God poured in. I was changed. I was transformed. Here's a psalm of Scripture that really became my own. I know King David wrote this, but I could have written it. It was after I surrendered to the Lord, and, and I should note it was before I was even aware that you two made it into a song, Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> David said, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. I know my song may not have been as beautiful as Mary's Magnificat, but this is what the Lord will do when we will give him our heart in the darkness. He will give us a new song. But you see, folks, none of this is possible until we find sanctuary and refuge in the Lord and in people who are willing to embody the Lord to us. So this is the invitation for us this morning, this last Sunday of Advent before Christmas. Think about some of these questions, if you would, as we reflect and respond to the Lord together today. As you've heard from Luke 1 and me share a little of my story, ask yourself, are you experiencing the refuge of God's love in Christ have you experienced that you are Abba's child? That, that you are loved as you are and not as you should be because you will never be as you should be? Do you know this great love of the Lord that he loves us so much that he sent us Jesus to prove it? That is an invitation to us this morning. That, that we would move beyond a mental ascent, that we would move beyond an analytical sort of knowledge of that and truly have it burning in our bones, this love of God. Number two, maybe you were already thinking this as I was sharing, who are the people in your life 
who have provided safe sanctuary. Would you just thank God for them right now? As they come to your mind, thank God for them. Maybe at this point you've not recognized, but you need to, that this is the Lord embracing you in them. The hand of God touching you, hugging you, affirming you. And then lastly, number three, now how can you provide sanctuary and be a refuge for others who seek it? Maybe it's a a son or a daughter or a grandchild who's struggling with their sexual orientation. Maybe it's someone that's being bullied. Maybe it's someone who, you know, for whatever reason, doesn't have a place that they can go and confess their sins without fear of judgment. You can be that safe sanctuary. You know, sometimes we're, we're so worried that when we accept people that it might be seen as affirming everything about them. But you know what, folks? God does that with us. God accepts us as we are because he loves us as we are, not as we should be, because we'll never be as we should be. We have one calling church, And that is to love others as Christ loves you and gave his life up for you. And in that, this is the good news. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Oh, how much easier the Christian life becomes in a kingdom sort of way when we lay down our judgments, when we lay down this thinking that we have to correct people's doctrine and to get their lives in order and just love them and watch God transform them through it. Amen. Amen. On that note, let's go to the Lord of love and pray that we would have a fresh experience of him this Christmas. Father, This love is so great, words cannot do it justice. Sermons, even songs, as powerful as they can be, cannot replace a real experience of that in the innermost place of our soul. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you in today. We open up our arms to you and say, Lord, love on us today. (laughs) Remind us that we are your children. Remind us that you you can turn our darkness into light. Remind us, Lord, that you still change lives with the gospel. Lord, would you do that this Christmas? Help us to love. Help us to turn the tides of fear 
of guilt, of shame, of finger-pointing, of judging others. And free us so that we might love as we are loved. For it's in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit we pray.